Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. In today's episode, we're about to conduct our second remote viewing party where we're going to watch the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark together. You can set this up with the movie and you can watch it and listen to the podcast at the same time, or you can just listen to the podcast in your own time. But either way, I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and I just need to let you know, my name's Justin Hamilton, and it's not the years, honey, it's the mileage, here on Big Squid. years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark their attorneys. Then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let her go. We have no time. If you still want the Ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Ah! 
Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Welcome to today's remote viewing party. You uh, might be listening to this uh, on the very date that we're doing the party, which is the 17th of July, 8pm Eastern Standard Time, Sydney time, Sydney lockdown time. Does time exist? I don't know. I have no idea what time is anymore. It makes no sense to me. I have mornings where I think, fuck, it's only 10am. And then suddenly I'll blink and it'll be like, oh, it's 4.30pm. I have no idea what's going on anymore. But if you are doing the remote viewing party, you are locked in. Of course, you can listen to this podcast with the movie or you can just listen to the podcast at your own leisure. You can do whatever you want, uh, but hopefully uh, if you wanted to join in on the party, you are doing so. I will let you know when to press play. Uh, I have the DVD. I thought I had it on Blu-ray. Turns out I only have it on DVD, but that means I've had it for a long time. So I've got that paused, and it's on the picture of the mountain. It's the Paramount picture logo. So when I say press play you'll know where I'm starting from. So I'll give you a bit of time to set that up, uh, whether on your Blu-ray, your DVD, your streaming, however you are going to uh, watch this movie. But as I said, you don't need to be watching the movie. You can just listen to this at your own leisure, but it will match up and we'll have a good time. We are going to be uh, talking about not just the movie. I'll be throwing in some personal stories. And I have asked some of my peeps over at our private Facebook page, the Big Squid with Justin Hamilton private page. Uh, I've asked them to, on the Friday, the 16th, when I am recording this, I have asked them to tell me what their favourite scenes are. So we will go through... I was going to try and line it up with each scene, but to be honest, today has been busy and I had a lot of replies and all the replies are fantastic, Uh, but you'll just be getting them at different points. So if I manage to wrangle it, good on me, but maybe we won't quite get there. Who knows? It'll be okay. Uh, One of the other things I realized before we get into it is that this is our 50th episode for the season four of Big Squid. So, well done. I don't know how we got to 50. I don't know how we got to 100 episodes the last uh, few episodes ago. But this is all very exciting. Uh, Yes, it's kind of blown out a little bit this season. But not in a bad way. We'll just keep going and maybe it'll just be season, season four forever. That might be how it works. Who knows? I have no idea at this point. Okay, let's get into this. Uh, We are going to be watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm just going to actually just say before we start, it's not Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's how it was released. Don't be putting Indiana Jones at the top of it. My DVD cover says Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, it's not. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
Indiana Jones is in it. I'm a traditionalist <laughs> for this film. So that is uh, that is how I will be referring to it. Okay. Oh, you know what I should have done is I should have asked some of you on the Facebook page uh, how to pronounce your names. Hmm. Oh, the other thing I forgot to say to you was that uh, originally when we did the Untouchables, we had a thread going on the Saturday night at 8pm. We had a thread going on the private page where you could comment all the way through. So wherever you were watching, wherever you were listening to the podcast, you could write to us and it was great. Oh my God, we had so many comments going on back and forth. It was a really fun way to experience it. Uh, But I know there were a few of you who got a little bit confused and and didn't uh, check in on time uh, or uh, asked to be admitted on time. So this one is just going to be on the regular Facebook page. So you don't have to be a member. It'd be great if you became a member of the private page. It's really only private, so we can talk about things like Loki and that without fear of spoilers of anyone who's just casually coming by. But uh, today, this one is going to be on the open page. So if you would like to write to us, not just me, there's heaps of people there that will be writing. Uh, You can uh, be in touch with all of us wherever you are. Uh, I hope you're not too stressed. Lockdowns are very tricky things. And this is at least a a little way of providing a sense of community. It was so much fun doing The Untouchables, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing this one. Okay, I'm going to count down from three, and when I say one, I am going to press play, and we are going to be on our way. So I hope you're all set up. I hope you're on the Facebook page. Write to me and say hello. And we will start. And here comes the countdown. Three, two, one. And there we go. Golf and Western Company. And there is that. So beautiful. The fade into that mountain. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I was eight years old when I saw this movie for the first time, and it is a very vivid memory. I I like the Star Wars films, like, you know, I was a kid, so let's not pretend that I didn't like the Star Wars films, but I'm an Indiana Jones guy, specifically a Raiders of the Lost Ark guy, and this opening, I just had no idea what was going on. There was something quite mysterious about it. And I guess it's the fact that you never really see Harrison Ford throughout this little beginning. It's like they're walking along, you know, it's a group of people. They've got the donkeys, they've got equipment, they're walking through a jungle. And, you know, music by John Williams, nice one, John Williams. It would be a mild understatement to say he's written some good tunes. Uh, the face, the stone face and the and the bats flying out. Hilarious. And, you know, you kind of get that first uh, view of Indiana doing something. And there's just a lack of fear, isn't there? There is just no fear 
whatsoever. A young Alfred Molina. I think I... It took me a while before I realised that was Alfred Molina because I think I saw this film, had no idea who Molina was, and then it wasn't until many years later that I discovered who Molina was and then went back and watched this and was like, oh, wow, I did not know that was him. There is something uh, quite cartoonish about uh, these guys. Like, you know, there's something kind of uh, rubbery about their movements. So even though there's a a mood being uh, set up, you know, there is kind of something fun about it. This, of the Indiana Jones films, I think this is the Goldilocks one. And what I mean by that is it gets everything right. It's in the sweet spot. Uh, Temple of Doom is kind of a bit too horrific and just so shouty. It's such a shouty movie, right? Uh, And then I know, like, I like Last Crusade, but it's a bit too jokey. Like, it's a bit too jokey to the extent that it kind of takes away the stakes. Oh, yeah, here's the first time that Indiana just pulls out the whip and takes out his buddy, and then look at Harrison Ford. Holy shit. That is a reveal. Like, that's the first time you see Indy, and it is great. What a handsome man. (laughs) Oh, I I feel like Harrison Ford may have been my... Uh, you know, guide as to how to wear stubble. <laughs> now that I think of it, it was uh, this and Blade Runner. So, um, yeah, maybe it was actually. I don't know. I don't think it was George Michael. <laughs> I think it was definitely uh, Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. But you can see early on from this character, like he's... He's determined, he's he's smart, he's brave, he's surrounded by these rubbery idiots who are a little bit comical. Ah, oh, you know what? I hate spiders. And even just looking at that web makes me feel a little bit freaked out. Like I'm fine. Like I'm like I'm a grown up. I'm not that uh, freaked out by spiders now. But you know. I also make sure that I live in a city <laughs> where they're not hanging out as much. Oh, look at the spiders on the back. Yuckity yuck, 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 yuck. And just in case you missed it, yuck. So here's a little interesting fact for you. When they first put the spiders on them, they weren't moving. They were just kind of sitting there and they couldn't work out what was going wrong. And then the spider wrangler, there is a job that I will never be asking to do work experience at. The um, the spider wrangler came in and he said that the problem is, is that all of these spiders are males and they're not acting aggressively. So they put a female one on Alfred Molina's back and that threw the male tarantulas into a rage and then they started moving and holy shit is that just a little bit freaky and also just typical fucking men even in spiders 
you know, oh, look at us, we're all hanging out, we're having a good time. And then suddenly uh, a female enters the room and all the guys are fuckheads. So there you go. It's not just uh, human males that are tedious. It is also tarantula males. That's a scene with the uh, with the spears coming out and the and the skull. It's like oh, you know, the dead guy on it. That was that creeped me out as a kid. And you know, this is kind of like even now we're kind of looking at indie and we're you know he's just got it all going right. Like he's he's really smart. He's he obviously knows stuff. Uh. You know, he's wary. You know, putting the uh, the bit of wood down and and setting off the um, the arrow. So now he knows to get to this idol. He just needs to be a little bit uh, light on his feet, or he's going to have a whole lot of arrows set up against him. Alfred Molina, very funny in this scene, and. This is such a beautiful moment because, once again, look at Ford here. Jesus Christ, what a handsome man. And this is kind of the Indiana Jones luck, isn't it? He's he's really capable. He's really smart. He's prepared. He's tough. He's kind of beautiful music as well like this music is uh perfect this scene here he knows what he needs to do and the tipping of the idol alfa molina with the fingers yep and it's like and look at the smile look at the smile on indy's face the tip of the hat and he's like yep did it i'm really good at my job and this is where the indie luck comes in where nope he hasn't, and now he's in trouble, and now he has to make a run for it, and it's great. It's just great. There's a kind of a follow-up uh, scene to, that's like a taste of what his luck is like. No time. Throw the idol, I throw the whip. <laughs> Enjoy your final line in this movie, Alfred Molina. So, once again, see this scene where Indy makes the jump, and he's going to fall down and he grabs the uh the the root and look at the smile like oh yeah i've got it and then <laughs> like nothing is easy for this guy <laughs> and i think that's what <laughs> i think that's what made him so appealing as a kid you know like he's cool but uh he's capable but he just everything's just a bit hard you know oh See, you should have been a, a little bit smarter, Alfred Molina. Or, oh, I think one of those, I don't think I've ever noticed that before. I think one of the spears is through his ass and, wow, that's a that's a bummer of a way to go, isn't it? Uh, by the way, when we come to facts and things like that, you know, the stuff about the, the ball being quite heavy and possibly could have crushed uh, <laughs> Harrison Ford, all that kind of stuff. Like, this movie's been around for 40 years, so I'm, I'm not going to get into too much of the stuff that's readily available or easily known. Uh, I'll try to talk about some stuff that might be a little bit more uh, out there, a little bit more uh, interesting for you. That's some bad acupuncture for that guy. And uh, so 
one of the great things about Belloc is that <laughs> I don't know if this is deliberate. I didn't find anything in anything that I was reading, but <laughs> he um, he always looks sweaty, doesn't he? And how do we feel about sweaty people? Well, sweaty people, we're just not on their side, are they? We're just not on their side. Oh, yeah. You know, and still, you know, still Indiana is, uh, you know, defiance amongst all of this. <laughs> but also, as Belloc holds up the idol and... <laughs> Indy just sneaking off is hilarious. Now, how do we feel? Like, I think we'll probably have to avoid some real, real world politics here. Like, should he? Like, should that be in a museum? Like, if that's that tribe's idol, like, shouldn't that idol be staying right where it is? I think uh, our attitudes have changed a lot since then, but. For the sake of just having fun, let's just uh, ignore that. (laughs) That's a conversation for another day. And uh, Harrison Ford, like, what a great yeller. Like, even when he's yelling, he's uh, he's really funny. This guy's still wanting to catch his fish. Uh, It's great. Uh, This was such a wonderful start. A lot of bare bums. There you go. I don't remember that being on the on the poster. There's something very satisfying about the way he leaps off that vine into the water. I don't know what it is. I've talked about this with my friend Brett over the years, but there's just something very satisfying about the way he just uh, jumps off and plonks into the water. And then there he is getting into the plane and we have our... Oh, that plane. Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'd be that rapt to be taking off in that, to be honest. Uh, and now we get probably the most uh, important part, which is him freaking out about the snake. So he's brave. He's smart. He's capable. He has terrible luck. He doesn't uh, pick friends very well. And now he hates snakes. And that is... 12 minutes. We have just watched 12 minutes of a movie and so much happened and that was the best. Ah, such a good opening. I haven't watched this in ages, by the way. Uh, So this movie was released in 1981 with a budget of $20 million. The movie went on to make $354 million. It was the top grossing movie of 1981. Would you like to take a guess which movies followed it? (laughs) <laughs> the way all the women are looking at um looking at Indy. Um Oh well this is where he explains why it's okay uh to uh take stuff. Uh <laughs> so uh Matt Deegan who is on our page, Digan, D-I-E-G-A-N. I apologise, Matt, uh, if I have not managed to get that right. This is his favourite scene. And he wrote to me, uh, 
My favourite is the classroom scene, not because of the note on the student's eyelids, but the juxtaposition between the adventurous Joan and the jungle against the obviously uncomfortable archaeology lecturer. It really adds a layer of complexity to the character to see him act out of his element in an innocuous setting. And I like that too. It is, it's like, oh yeah, right, there's a lot going on with this guy. And look at all the women, they just adore him. And, uh, oh, he left an apple. The guy left an apple. Oh, I don't know what I ever thought about that as a kid. I don't know. I always just thought that guy probably thinks Indiana's pretty cool when he's not. He looked a bit older too, didn't he? <laughs> he's probably been taking the class for um, <laughs> 10 years in a row because he he, uh, he loves it. I need $2,000. <laughs> Indiana Jones and he's $2,000. Oh, God. Just do a corporate gig, Indy. That's how you get that two grand. Um, Rochelle as well uh, said that uh, she loved that classroom scene and said it reminded her, I don't know where I saw this, but I think she said somewhere it reminded her of her husband. Is your husband like, looks like Harrison Ford. It's like, oh my God, how handsome is your Husband, yeah, she wrote, uh, even though the uncomfortable professor scene is my favourite, it reminds me of my husband. Karen Allen as Marion is the best character in the whole series of films. I like uh, Marion as well. We will get to Marion a little bit later on. Once again, this is uh, just a really well-made scene, isn't it? Because, um, you know, it's kind of, because of his... uh, job as a teacher you know we can get this you know look to be honest I'm kind of over the use of the term info dump but sometimes you just need moments where you understand what's going on with the movie and because he's a teacher and these guys don't quite understand what's going on or why you know the Germans would be looking for the Ark of the Covenant it makes sense that Indy would be the one to, you know, be able to talk about it and and teach them about it. So I I think this scene is just a masterclass in how you do this. Uh, By the way, uh, I thought I'd give you enough time to take a guess what the uh, top movies after Raiders of the Lost Ark were. They were in order on Golden Pond with Catherine Hepburn and... Uh, Henry Fonda in his last film and Jane Fonda. I remember seeing that movie at the cinema and mum used to take me to grown-up films and I remember quite liking it. I think it was quite, uh, quite beautiful. Back when your mum would take you to see a grown-up movie and now we don't make grown-up movies. (laughs) I was starting to... Like, I I love all the... Well, you know, I enjoy most of the Marvel stuff, but there's just been so much of it. And then I was, like, looking at this podcast and going, oh, God, I need to get a Sophia Coppola movie up. I don't want it to become just that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? So, anyway, On Golden Pond, grown-up movie. Very good. Superman 2. I know Superman 2 has its flaws because of Richard Donner being taken off, etc. But, you know what? As a kid, Superman 2 fucking rocked. Uh, Arthur which was a very funny film with Dudley Moore and Sir John Gilgood. Stripes, I don't need to tell you what that film is. Uh, The Cannonball Run, I'm guessing you would know that film as well. Chariots of Fire and James Bond in For Your Eyes Only. Coming in at 
number 76 was a little Australian movie called... You taking a guess? Gallipoli. One of the all-time great Australian movies. Mark Lee. Oh, so, so wonderful. And uh, Mel Gibson, before he turned out to be an arsehole who really just bummed us out by just being a bit of a fucking hat. Anyway, let's not ruin the mood. Uh, coming in at number 83 was a movie called The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper, starring Treat Williams and Robert Duvall, about the real-life story of the audacious hijacker D.B. Cooper, who in 1971 hijacked a Boeing 727 flying between Portland and Seattle and escaped with $200,000, which is about $1.28 million today. Uh, that is a true story. He... Anyone who watched Mad Men thought, wondered if uh, Don was going to turn out to be D.B. Cooper, all of that stuff. Uh, but that uh, mystery was actually solved recently when we discovered it was Loki. So even though I just lamented that there was a bit too much Marvel stuff, I've already done a call back to Loki. <laughs> uh, let's have a look uh, while we're going through all of this stuff. Oh, I remember when uh, when he opens up this big, thick book. Oh, look at that. Like That book just looks like it smells of dust and glory. I remember this illustration of the Ark of the Covenant uh, along with the uh, music. Good God, that's what the Hebrews thought. <laughs> um, I remember this whole scene sort of... Uh, like there was there was something very powerful about it in the cinema. There was something that did speak of uh you know the unknowable. All of this that's what I mean. That's why I feel like this scene is just so good because you do just get a sense that whatever they're going after and by the way, I was raised an atheist, so you know, I my discovery of the Ark of the Covenant was through this film. So, but I did feel just a level of awe at what they might find as a kid. Uh, and he's got a, quite a nice place, hasn't he? It's very tidy. He must have a cleaner. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> don't you feel like he'd uh, have a bit of uh, shit from arsehole to breakfast? Uh, having, a little, having a little drink with his smoking jacket, his little dressing gown on? Indy. Uh, Reed Parker. <laughs> Sorry, I've just started laughing because... So, uh, on Friday night... So, I don't know if you follow Reed. Uh, Reed is not only a delight, but he is one of the funniest people on Twitter, in my opinion. He's uh, very funny at uh, melding images together and uh, putting little spins on things. And he... I, I I had to text him after I'd seen this in the uh, on the private page. He'd put up a little image he'd made, and you know the scene where Indiana's um, trying to put the uh, the bag of dust over so he can pick up the idol. He because Harrison Ford's what seventy nine now or something insane like that. He had him uh, trying to get some old man lollies. <laughs> It <laughs> it made me laugh when I saw it, which was at 
like now that I'm recording this is was honestly about two hours ago or two and a half hours ago. It made me laugh out loud then and it's making me laugh out loud now. Reed Parker, if you do not follow him on Twitter, please go and do so. He is very funny. Um, he was saying uh, that uh, he was trying to rack his brain to find a scene that stands out above the rest. And uh, the first one that jumped out to him, uh, and he said it's probably because it, it was he was young when he first saw it, was the, the big guy passing out during the drinking contest. <laughs> I just love the smug smile on his face as he slowly fell over backwards and the way people scattered behind him. Like, we are coming up to that scene, and that scene is super funny. Uh, you know what? Even as a kid, here's, here's, a, um, here's something uh, that ties back into me thinking, oh, maybe I did um, learn to embrace stubble from Harrison Ford. Uh, Never liked Indiana Jones when he was clean shaven. Always looked like he was missing something. So there you go. I love this with the map. And it may have, I think I may have read that that was done for budget restrictions or whatever, but I just think the shorthand of that is pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. Here we go. Here you go, Reed, if you're watching. Here is your favourite scene. Now, um, Sarah Bennett, uh, who uh, is in the UK, I know she's not listening today because she's on holidays, but um, uh, she points out, and she points, this is a really good thing to remember, uh, the payoff of the setup of this scene comes later when she's flirting and drinking with Belloc and is perfect because we the audience are in on it so like we know how much booze she can knock back so when she's drinking with belloc you're going nah she's fine she is going to uh (laughs) blow this away (laughs) oh i love karen allen i do love karen allen i had such a crush on her i just thought she was great I had a crutch on uh, Marion for a long time. See, once again, all, um, like, don't get me wrong, like, I like Princess Leia, uh, and this is before Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, this guy is massive, isn't he? Like, look at it. Look at the guy just over the shoulder near the ear. <laughs> he looks like Frank Miller. Would have been fun. <laughs> See, this is what I mean about this film just kind of getting the comedy right. Like, I feel like if this had been done in the third movie, they would have hammed that up a little bit. What's going on with that hat? Did you see that hat of that guy just walking past? Oh, there it goes again. Anyway. Um, oh, look at this for an entrance. Just the shadow up on the wall. Of Indiana Jones. Hello, Marion. Oh, so good. The way she turns around, throws the glasses on the ground. Oh, just all the, like the, the way this is shot is just great. She's so tough. And look at that great shit eating grin from Indiana Jones. And the, oh. Him just getting clocked in the face as well is funny. It's just funny. Now, here's the other thing that we'll ignore. You kind of get the impression that she was quite young when he sort of started hooking up with her. And I had 
uh, noticed that at one point in my life and I had done a very good job of just choosing to ignore that part of the movie. And then uh, Cal Wilson a couple of years ago was on Twitter and she was watching Razzle Start for the first time and she pointed that out and I was like, I love Cal. Why, why stop it? Stop pointing out things that are correct that make me feel a bit compromised. Anyway, let's just move on. Let's just move on and, you know, he kills lots of Nazis. So, right? And then they're friends at the end. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. Rachel Blair said that um, when she we see Indy Shadow on the wall behind her and their interaction when they first see each other is my favourite scene and I have no clue why. Uh, Rachel, I reckon... Um, I reckon it might be just really good acting and really good chemistry. And it's beautifully shot and, you know, the that red kind of glare, you know, she's tough. Like She takes the money from him and then she, you know, she doesn't tell him where the st- uh, the medallion is. Like she's still kind of in, tar- in, in charge. But, you know... Indy knows something's going on. So I reckon that's, um, uh, I reckon that's, um, probably why you like that scene. And look at that, that moment where he looks back and all you can see is his face is covered in shadow except for his eye. Like, there's a lot to love about that. Um, Jamie East has said, and I've never noticed this before, I also like how the guy she beats in the drinking game is labelled in the credits as the Australian. Nice one, Jamie. I'll have to keep... Well, can someone remind me to watch the credits as it goes up? <laughs> can you do that? <laughs> um, I have not known that. Anyway. Uh As I said before, there's a lot known about this movie, so, you know, it feels... Like, it came out 40 years ago. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm 48. Um, and, you know, so there's, there's a lot of information out there. So, I, I don't want to kind of rehash too much of that stuff. But uh, George Lucas told Steven Spielberg about his idea for Raiders when they were both on vacation in Hawaii in May 1977. Spielberg had just finished Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And Lucas wanted to get away because Star Wars was being released. And he was scared it was going to bomb. So they go away, and then the movie turns out to be a monster hit, which then inspired them to think about what they were going to do next, and Spielberg said he always wanted to make a Bond movie, and Lucas said he had that beat and laid out his idea for a movie that was inspired by the matinee serials of Lucas's youth. I'm sitting on the floor, my bum's just gone dead. Hang on a sec. So... <laughs> blowing smoke in the Nazi's face is just great. This, you know. So, hang on. Just um, before I get back to that, remember when, if if you listen to the podcast where Ben and I were talking about uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, and we were saying how one of the frustrations that we had with that movie, How Long Do You Have?, was that... They just kind of made Darkseid and his and his minions just look really generic. Like it's really frustrating because in 
in the world of comics, there was Darkseid, and then Jim Starlin was inspired by Darkseid to create Thanos, and now Thanos has hit the movies, and Darkseid looks like a cheap ripoff of Thanos. Bah! What? What is going on? But anyway, Desaad... In the comics, I always felt like he was more like this guy. Well, see? Sweaty. Look how sweaty he is. We don't trust the sweaty people, do we? And, um, but look at uh, Marion. No sweat. This is a cracking scene. When, ah, uh, this is such a well-choreographed scene. And the sounds of the gunfire, whew, I remember in the cinema, like, kind of, finding it all a little bit exhilarating. Uh, It was unlike... Like, there was a soundscape to this that I had never experienced before. And the numbers, like, you know... Like, Indy looks like he's in a little bit of trouble, you know? But, once again, he's... uh, Like, the choreography, like, of setting up the... Uh, shooting the uh, flames to get the guy to stand up, which has now set the medallion on fire... Um, Marion with a, oh, you know what I'm about. Hey, so now I'm wondering, oh, look at this guy. Jesus Christ. So I'm now wondering, you know, in, um, the untouchables, when the bootleg booze in the Canadian, uh, uh, Rocky scene is happening and, uh, the, um, accountant quickly takes a quick drink. I wonder if that was a little, um. A little Marion homage. I'm, I might be reading too much into that, but it's kind of funny that we've done two of these uh, remote viewing parties and we've both seen this. <laughs> this is great. Shoot them. Shoot them both. And then look on both of their faces. <laughs> but once again, you know, for a scene that is pretty violent, it's uh, like there's a lot of suggestion with shadows and like it's still pretty graphic. Like, I saw this as a kid, like, oh, man, like, even that, like, even picking up that medallion with it being on fire, but it's, you know, he's a Nazi, so it's hilarious. <laughs> he's like, um, the Nazi in this is like a, um, he's like, he's like a serious version of Colonel Clink. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh. That when that shot goes off and he flinches and there is no, like, he suddenly realises Marion, like, see, like, Marion's great in this because she's tough. Like, she's really tough. Oh. And I, yeah, I love Karen Allen in this. Anyway. Um, isn't it interesting how many great directors and great movies have been inspired by James Bond. I I would I would love to know the percentage of what what's 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 the higher percentage? Actually good James Bond movies or directors who have been inspired to make their own takes on or uh, in uh, you know James Bond style films. I have a feeling it might be the latter, don't you? Do you agree with that? Let me know. Let me know on the uh, Facebook page. Um, George Lucas's dog gave Indiana his name and also inspired Chewbacca. That might be the most important dog in pop culture history, don't you think? <laughs> like, like, 
you know, don't get me wrong, like there's Lassie, you know, Rin Tin Tin, Benji, all of those dogs. But do you, do you reckon when they all get together and they're having a drink, they uh, they always talk about Indiana? Oh, mate, that guy never, that dog never gets the respect that we get. That's because he was behind the scenes. Ah, oh, yeah, had a pretty good career. I don't know, like, Marion even looks pretty cute when she's got the monkey from Outbreak <laughs> grabbing her on the face. Ah, what is happening? <laughs> um, let's. Um, I'm just going to say this to myself t- to hopefully remember to look in the credits, but let's try and remember to look for The Australian. I know I could look it up, but I'm holding a microphone with one hand and reading two different, uh, uh, you know, things, uh, you know, uh, suggestions of what people liked in the movie and that. So guess what? Um, uh, I'm not very good at uh, doing more than uh, three things at once, which is pretty good for a man. Belach. Belach. Ah, Indy. Uh, Justin Anderson says, uh, so many incredible scenes. I love, for example, Harrison's delivery and facial expressions when he talks about snakes. He sees them when going into Well of Souls. <laughs> yeah, that is a good scene. I'm looking forward to when we get that. Um, yeah, which, of course, calls back to the plane earlier in the movie. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's such a great moment. We'll, uh, we'll get to that soon. And uh, my old mate, Steph... Steph Perino uh, said she hasn't seen the movie in a million years, but you can uh, she can hear the Indiana Jones theme music. It's, it, it is one of the great themes, isn't it? Um, the great director, Philip Kaufman, came up with the idea of the Ark of the Covenant based off a story his dentist told him when he was a kid. That's an interesting dentist, like... I don't think I've ever... Like, I've had nice dentists, but I don't think I've ever had an interesting dentist like that. So, um, yeah, Philip uh, Kaufman uh, worked on an earlier version of the script. I think you can find it online. I don't think it bears much resemblance to the uh, to what we get here. But um, uh, that's where the idea of the Ark of the Covenant came from. So, that's interesting. The, the, these... These guys all feel a bit like, oh, anyway, uh, I'll get back to that point I was about to make in a sec. But the um, it took days to get that monkey to give the Nazi salute. They just could not get the monkey to give the Nazi salute. Maybe the monkey wasn't a Nazi. Maybe they never thought about that. Uh, but anyway, they ended up dangling some grapes just off camera so he he could reach for it and then they could finally get the shot. Um, so that's funny. Uh, all of this part feels a little bit like Inception, doesn't it? Uh, you know, even the men in suits and the, uh, you know, that are kind of the faceless men that are looking out for DiCaprio's character, Cobb. Uh... Yeah, get a nice little bit of backstory on what Indy was like when he was hanging out with Marion's dad. Oh, now this is now we're into the 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 big fight scene, and this is this is just great. And um, <laughs> you know what? I was just looking in the background, and uh, Marion's not hitting them very hard, but Indy looks like he is going for it. There is just 
there is just not any part of this movie that isn't beautifully choreographed. Like, watch when all the fruit comes off the sword. <laughs> like, that's that's just so great. And you always have a sense of where they're at, pulling out the whip. Oh, my God. I think I wanted a whip as a kid. You know, I found nunchucks once. You know, when you have the, uh, the little... Uh, what do you call it? It's not the tip, but the um, thing that gets brought around uh, and left in your street and you could put hard rubbish away. And uh, I remember, you know, as a kid, you would crawl into those things and, and go looking for stuff. And I found nunchucks. And I used to have nunchucks because uh, I quite like Bruce Lee movies as well. And mum took my nunchucks away because she said, you're the kind of idiot that will be swinging around and you'll hit yourself in the temple and you'll kill yourself. And I thought, no, you know what? Maybe I don't need nunchucks. Would have loved a whip though, back then. That probably wasn't too handy. My my three, the four, the four weapons I wanted as a kid were. No, there were five. I had five weapons. I, I had Han Solo's gun from Star Wars. I had. I wanted a whip. I wanted um, Captain America's shield. I wanted Thor's hammer, and. I wanted those nunchucks. But anyway, there you go. Top five weapons of Hamo's youth. <laughs> uh, and, of course, the infamous uh, sword scene. You, like... It's sad that they did a lot of... Um, a lot of, you know, choreography and stunt work for that. And then it gets reduced to that moment of him shooting him. And But it is a pitch-perfect moment. It's so funny. They try to repeat it in the second film, but it actually doesn't make sense because the second film's a prequel. So so why would he... Do you know what I mean? Like, it didn't uh, really make any sense to me uh, even then as a kid. And look at this scene where he just runs up and the, the close-up on his eyes and he's suddenly like, oh, no. And now he's just going to tip over everyone's... Less stuff. Like, it's not very nice of him, but uh, makes for a great scene. <laughs> um, so, the, the, the comic book artist, uh, Jim Steranko, uh, not only a famous comic artist, by the way, uh, he was also a magician. Uh, he created four pieces of artwork that were inspired by Humphrey Bogart in Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Doc Savage, uh, old Doc Savage pulp covers and a production still from the 1937 movie Zorro Rides Again. Um, if you go and look at them, you can see that that is literally what they go for. You know, like he ends up looking like uh, that artwork, you know. So, now the first time I saw this, this was a shocking, shocking scene as a kid. Like, as a kid, I thought Marion was dead. And it was like, oh. Now, by the way, I know that I said that all of our villains sweat and, uh, you know, that's why we kind of consider them to be bad guys. But can I just clarify that a little bit? When Indy sweats, like he sweats like what we expect a man to sweat like. Like he looks like he's sweating because he's been doing shit. Whereas those other bad guys, when they sweat, they're just sweating because they're gross. <laughs> I think that's the th- my theory there anyway. Uh, 
Ben McMillan said uh, he loves the bit where Indy climbs onto the submarine before it dives. As a kid, the scene really struck home the danger he was willing to face. Uh, as an adult, this feat bears no less of an impact. In fact, maybe more so. Yes, we'll, uh, I have a little fact for you about uh, what they were originally going to do in the movie with that for you later, Ben. But uh, as a kid who did not like swimming and uh, found anything that was water-based to be mildly terrifying, mainly your head underwater, I found that scene to be overwhelming and I was glad that they just obviously never submerged. (laughs) Uh, My mate John says the way... Indy casually pulls his gun to dispatch the crazed assailant with a sword. So cool to the 12-year-old me at the time. He and John says made all the better with the callback in the sequel. Okay, well, I'm glad you liked it, John. When we uh, have a... When I catch up with you next, when I'm allowed back in Adelaide and I'm not living in Plague City limits, we can we can discuss that, mate. We can discuss it. <laughs> Um, and uh, Dan Trotman has also said that's his uh, favourite scene. Um, yeah, there's all sorts of stories. Uh, Dan says he heard it was filmed while Harrison Ford was sick. Like, I think that is the story that goes uh, with that scene, why they went to, with that. I think everyone on the set of this film got sick, except for um, oh, one of the best moments. Now you get a nasty you know, when Belloc is trying to draw a, a, a through line between him and uh, Indiana. Now you get a nasty. That's such a good line, isn't it? Like, that's what we should all do. Anytime someone says something that just, you know, bums us out a little bit. Now you're getting nasty. <laughs> oh, my God. Harrison Ford, like, you are just, like, one of my all-time favourite actors and, uh, you know, like he's quite clearly <laughs> a little bit crazy and, uh, you know, all, all the, like, I don't know what would get me into trouble, but, um, there, there are rumors, uh, that have come out from a lot of the superstars, you know, like it, that maybe that Harrison Ford enjoys smoking a bit of pot. That's, that's the story. Allegedly. Like Carrie Fisher when, you know, she was talking about her cocaine abuse and uh, she was asked if Harrison Ford joined in on that and she was like, no, 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 no. He was into something a lot more relaxing (laughs) and it wasn't there rumours that he and Shia LaBeouf were, you know, greening up in the the trailer on the set of Indiana Jones 4. Um, So, and that does explain... If you ever watch Harrison Ford being interviewed on talk shows, <laughs> you always go, what's going on with this guy? <laughs> and then uh, when you suddenly go, oh, maybe maybe he's high, that makes everything uh, kind of come together, doesn't it? So <laughs> I do like the idea that he uh, likes to uh, get a little bit high. That makes me laugh a lot. Um, all right, where were we? <laughs> he 
<laughs> I just found Reed Parker's. Uh, you know what? If you're not a member on the private Facebook page for Big Squid with Justin Hamilton, like just become a member so you can check out it's, it's Werther's Originals. Is it worth it? Is that how you pronounce it? I've never ever said that out loud. Oh, fuck, that is funny, Reed. You, you are a hilarious asshole. Uh, Linda Moulton, M-O-U-L-T-O-N, Moulton. Um, she said uh, that she loves the Marcus Brody introduction scene right after Indy's big speech saying he's got a two-day head start, uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but that's the scene from The Last Crusade, not Raiders. Linda. Still a good scene, though. I just re- realised, yeah. No, 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 that is definitely uh, the Holy Grail. But still a good scene. Maybe she's written uh, a scene further down uh, that she likes from that one. And then Danny Ranford has been a smart ass and said, I love the part where Short Round says, you call him Dr. Jones, doll. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's lady, isn't it? You call him Dr. Jones, lady. <laughs> oh, God. So much wrong sometimes when you look back at certain movies. <laughs> uh, Danny then did, does give a, uh, a a proper response where he, the most memorable for him is the opening 10 minutes. Opening 12 minutes that I've just checked, Danny, the opening 12 minutes. Uh, so exciting and throws you immediately into Danny's uh, into Danny's world, into Indy's world. I love the look on Indy's face when he comes running out of the cave yelling at the plane to go. That is a very, very funny scene. Um, and uh, Jamie East uh, <laughs> loves it when Sarlacc chucks him the Nazi flag to get him out of the map room. Also not exactly a favourite bit, but a Spielberg specialty of the rolling thunderclouds when they are digging out the entrance to the Well of Souls. I like that scene a lot as well, Jamie. Uh, one of the reasons I love that is because it... Uh, oh, here we go. Salah. Bad dates. Oh, dead Nazi monkey. That sounds like a 90s... Uh, Rock man. <laughs> Dead Nazi monkeys. Um, I like the rolling thunderclouds scene too, Jamie, because there is, uh, there's a mania to Indiana. And I kind of, I always read that when I was younger, that he he's not that far removed from Belloc. Like, you know, he's not, like they, like, they're quite fundamentally different, but there is, when it comes to Venn diagrams, they are, you know, they do share some interests. And I feel like that's kind of, if Indiana's not careful, he could have been overwhelmed. Uh, and, you know, maybe he would have opened up the Ark of the Covenant. Like, who knows? How, how do you feel about that? Do you think that maybe there is a level of mania to him that, uh, could lead to something bad happening. We do know that he doesn't have the greatest of um, uh, of luck at the, at the best of times. All right. So, people who could have played Indiana Jones. We all know that Tom Selleck was set to be Indiana, but the network that aired Magnum P.I. barred it. I don't think... Like, I'm just going to say this right from the beginning before we even mention anybody else. I think Harrison Ford is perfect and would not even contemplate anyone else. So, 
that's out the way, right? Having said that, I think Tom Selleck back in the day probably would have been quite good as Indiana Jones. I don't know. I think he maybe would have been a little bit softer. There is a, there's a level of cynicism or there is a, there's just a bit of edge to Harrison Ford, don't you think? So I'm not quite certain that Indy would have had that under Tom Selleck. This scene in the uh, in the room with the with the models to try and find where the Ark of the Covenant is is such a such a great scene. Why did Silas just stay up there, right out in the open? Like, why didn't he just um, you know? Why didn't he get Indy down and then go and loiter by a tree? Anyway, I do love that character, but that always felt like it wasn't great. This is such a, you know, him getting out the brush. I I, I remember reading that archaeologists were <laughs> not into Indiana Jones because, you know, it turns out archaeology isn't quite this. But having said that, it does make archaeology look super fun especially if you're taking down Nazis as well and, and everything comes together quite quickly like it does in this film. But yeah, no, I love this. This is such a great moment and it's, once again, like it's such a great scene, but it's not like, like all he's doing is waiting for the sun to hit a certain spot to light a jewel. But it is fantastic. Once again, a, you know, like the way it's shot, uh, the angles that Spielberg chooses, uh, the setting, all of it is fantastic. The music is great, but it is all Harrison Ford, right? It's Harrison Ford. Like, look at the way the camera drifts down and the look on his face. Oh, he's got such nice eyes, hasn't he? It's a real appreciation uh, uh, for Harrison Ford in this film. This might be this might be close to peak handsome Harrison. Do you think? I think it might be. You know, and it's just the way the light crawls down. You see, see, see the look in Indy's eyes at that point right there. That's kind of the same mania he has when he is. Going to get the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, look at that. Like he's he's right on the edge of a lot of things, and that that's what makes Indy so cool. Um. Anyway, so we know that Tom Selleck was up, and I, I saw heaps of names there, and uh, you know, like there's heaps of names. It's always hard to tell with these things who was really offered, etc. Blah blah blah. But anyway, um. I've written down five names to throw at you to see <laughs> the Nazi flag hitting him in the face. <laughs> um, the ones that I just found the most interesting. Uh, Sam Elliott. I've written same Elliott down here. Uh, Sam Elliott. I'm sure that you would know Sam Elliott. If you don't know, he's the cowboy who narrates The Big Lebowski. Talks about the dude. Um, that's an interesting choice. 
And Marion's alive. <sighs> Marion's alive. This is such a... This is such an interesting scene as well. You know. Because it's... Like, it's... It's part of... It, it's it's part... You know how James Bond is a, is a bit of an arsehole. And Indy's a bit of an arsehole as well. Like... He could just get her out and get to safety, but he needs to get the Ark of the Covenant and he knows um, that if he gets her out, they're in trouble. So he's kind of willing to um, roll the dice a little bit. You can... She's... Yeah. It's... Like, it's... It's like, I understand why he does it, but, geez, it's rough, isn't it? Because, like, they're Nazis. You're not feeling too great about this, are you? So, uh, Sam Elliott, Nick Nolte, which is, uh, that's a a really gruff Indiana Jones. I don't think he has the, like, Nick Nolte's a very good actor, but I don't know if he has that... (sighs) Charm, you know, like is Nick Nolte's Indiana feeling a little bit awkward in the in the classroom? I don't know. I don't know if he is. Jack Nicholson. I just I saw Jack Nicholson's name mentioned for this, and I have to say, I just cannot picture Jack Nicholson. Like, once again, really great actor. I just. Physically, I can't see it. I don't know how he would have done this physically. Um, Bill Murray, supposedly. Now, is that true? I just find that hard to believe. Could you imagine Bill Murray? Like, this is the year that Stripes came out. I, I, I could be wrong about that. But it also doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> the Nazis got his... Uh, got the medallion... Uh, Burnt into his hand. Ouch. God, that would have been sore. Anyway, the only other one that I uh, named that I thought was interesting and who was supposedly pretty close to being offered the role, I'm guessing that would have been before uh, Tom Selleck was given the role, uh, Jeff Bridges. It's... In 2021, it's kind of a little bit easy to forget just how handsome and dashing Jeff Bridges was. Because, you know, we think of The Big Lebowski, we think of Crazy Heart. Uh, What else are some of his bigger movies in the last few years? Um, uh, True Grit, the Coen Brothers version of True Grit. This scene here with where finally Indy puts his hat back on and the sun's shining the background and everyone's digging. It's uh, This is almost like his... um, this is Spielberg's Luke looking at the twin sons on Tatooine. Uh, and now we get straight to the rolling thunder and the and the lightning and the 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 indie mania. So yeah, but Jeff Bridges, like if you th- go back and look at Against All Odds and that, and you think, oh, you know, he could have been charming. He could have been awkward in in the classroom. I think. Uh, once again, I want it to be Harrison Ford. But I could have seen 
Jeff Bridges doing this. So anyway, I didn't mind that. I didn't that 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 was an interesting um, name that came up. But uh, some of the others, like Bill Murray, like we have to tell Ben that he's not uh, a Bill Murray fan, so that'll that'll make him angry. <laughs> so I feel like making poor Ben angry for no real reason. I'll let him know. Um. Andrew Patrick uh, has uh, written to me and said he always remembers the face-melting scene. Uh, The movie was released the year he was born. I saw it when I was real young, and the face-melting has always stuck with me. Mate, Andrew, I totally agree. Like, I know we can look at it now, and we can see it for special effects, but, um, you know, it stuck with me as well, and it was pretty horrifying as a kid. Why is the floor moving? Oh, no. Like, what a reveal. Like, and... <laughs> and this moment from Harrison Ford is just great. And that is creepy. What are they living on, by the way? I always wondered that. Look at his face. It's not just this, though. It's the snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? And then Salah coming in. <laughs> it's very dangerous. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> Harrison Ford's perplexed look. How many people can, can do that look? Bruce Willis can do it. You know, it's the look that Bruce Willis gives John Travolta in Pulp Fiction where he's just kind of can't believe what's just happened, can't quite believe what's just said. Harrison Ford is just a master of it. We'll see it a little bit later on when uh, when he's uh, trying to get into the Nazi suit on the, on the, on the base. Um, uh, Paul Irving said that the aeroplane fight scene, which we're coming up to uh, pretty soon, for the sheer absurdity of it, yet the actual danger to the actors, the plane is a fake, wholly invented design, but uh, those propellers are clearly really rotating and the actors are disturbingly close to them. Um, And and yeah, Paul says the whole scene would have been like three lines in the script. Well, uh, they probably would have. I know what you mean, but... uh, it's such a great, a great moment, and uh, uh, my mate Steve, uh, Steve Mulk, uh, has said that um, he loves the scene where he's hanging off the side and of uh, the the tank scene. Um, yeah, all of it's, all of it's great, all of it's great. Um, and what did Ryan? Ah, oh, Ryan Moore's come in with a hot with a hot take he says I don't have a favourite scene to shout out but I'm just here to say I honestly believe that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is better than Temple of Doom and Sarah Bennett has said everything is better than Temple of Doom she doesn't like shouty uh, female protagonists uh, which I agree with Sarah by the way too shouty especially after Marion um, and Jamie Easter said, I could hardly watch Crystal Skull once, let alone do a comparison. I pretend it doesn't exist and will not be watching number five. Looks like Harrison Ford does Weekend at Bernie's with Indiana. Come on, Jamie. Like, you may as well watch it. Like, what are you doing? No, 
who it might be written into it. It's James Mangold as well. He makes good films. So, you know, it might not be a bad thing. Uh, what, what do you think? Let let me know. Is is Crystal Skull better than Temple of Doom? I'd be curious to know your thoughts. I haven't watched either in a long time, so I don't quite have any thoughts off the top of my head. Um, I think there was just... Um, I kind of enjoyed Temple of the Crystal Skull when I first saw it because I saw it with a mate and we saw it at a daytime preview and we were both in a good mood and we both love Harrison Ford and we both love Indiana Jones and I think we really had a good time while we were watching it. And this was back when I was doing uh, movie reviews for Perth Radio for Bodica's Bunch and I think I gave it a much better review than it deserved because I think I just had a really good time. And then I rewatched it and I was like, oh no, this isn't very good at all. But my experience was uh, of having a good time. And you know what? What are you going to do? Sometimes it's just... That's all you can do, right? Is just have a good time. Uh, and uh, Bill Kaditz, uh says that his favourite scene is when Indy puts on the Nazi uniform and it doesn't fit. Then another Nazi comes up and gives him grief for looking scrubby. Uh, yes, and that's where we see that that look, you know, that classic look of him being uh, just, uh, you know, just a little bit... Uh, horrified as to what is going on so that's all very interesting uh who who do you think would make uh this is for everyone who like oh, by the way you could like you could just write this to me whenever you want but um if you're on the facebook page now who's a modern actor that could play indiana jones if they were to reboot it i know that's heresy but um who do you think would make a, a good actor, uh, like a good job of it? Sorry, I was trying to type things in at the same time uh, to um, see uh, kind of what, what comes to mind. Who would make a good version of... That's a good question, isn't it? Hmm... Let's have a look. So, what do we want? Do we want actors in their 30s, maybe? I wonder if that will uh, come up. Like, we, we we don't... 30 seems quite young now, doesn't it? Uh, probably, probably in their 40s, anyway. Um... God, I just don't know. That's a really... I've stumped myself with my own question. Looking at actors in their 30s, there's... What about... I just don't know who's got the raw masculinity and also the comedic chops. Like, Henry Cavill is... Kind of, yeah, he's a bit too pretty, isn't he? Harrison Ford's handsome, yeah, but Henry, but I don't know if Henry, like Henry, Henry Cavill's not quite uh funny enough. Um, 
I'm going to have to have a think about that. I'm looking through all these actors. Seth Rogen. (laughs) (laughs) So can I say a, uh, this might sound weird, but The Green Hornet is an underrated movie. And I reckon it's underrated because it kind of skewers the superhero tropes and is a delightful parody. By the way, this scene with the pulling out of what looks like it's going to be a a weapon and then it just turns out to be a coat hanger. Uh, Spielberg has that same joke in the movie 1941, which was a notorious bomb. And it's funny that he uh, brings that in. Did I ever finish my point about Darkseid? Did I ever finish that? I think I did, didn't I? Just in case I didn't, uh, Desaad always felt like uh, he should have been, you know, Darkseid's right-hand man. Feels like he should have been like this Nazi. If you ever go and look at the comics, he's kind of a sniveling, horrible, gross kind of side character. And instead they just made him a CGI thing that I can't even really remember what he looked like. So that's a bummer. Uh, It's around here somewhere that the uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 hieroglyphic can be seen, if if I remember correctly. I remember hearing that as a kid and obsessing about it and trying to catch it, trying to find it. And this was back in the day when, you know, you had your video and you'd press pause and then when you press pause, the video it just keep going up and down, up and down. And it just wouldn't quite say, stay static enough. And then eventually, I think there was like an Empire magazine or maybe it was something like that where they just showed you. And I was like, oh, there it is. And then it just wasn't as like, it was kind of cool, but it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be once I finally saw it. Easter eggs are interesting, aren't they? Because sometimes Easter eggs can kind of derail things. They can derail what's going on in a movie because, you know, you're layering too much. I felt like... I I, I sometimes think that can happen with uh, some of the Marvel movies. You know, that, that solo, Han Solo movie where they're trying to explain everything from, you know, like the dice or whatever it is or how he got his name. And you just go, like, you just... Not not everything needs to be something. And I, I wonder that... I feel like Easter eggs have gotten a little bit out of control. But you know what? R2-D2, C-3PO, as a, as a little nod to Star Wars, is kind of cute. Now you'd be trying to draw a through line. Oh, well, maybe... Uh, Maybe Han Solo, uh, you know, had some other kids that ended up on a planet called Earth. It's like, calm down, mate. Once again, Indy just not having any luck. In a thousand years, even you may be worth something. (laughs) Son of a bitch. Such a great moment. Harrison Ford, he just, he is just great. Just so good. Um... You know, I'm I'm going to sound really like I'm being woke when I say this, but just just hear me out before I um like 
from an action star point of view, John David Washington is like he's the first actor I've seen in a while where you're watching him do stuff and you go, he is he's a proper action star. Do you know what I mean? Like he looks the part. Lots of uh, lots of other actors you're watching, you're going, that's very good editing, isn't it? When you really think about it, but he looks like he's an athlete. So I'm not saying that to, you know, to rile anyone up. I'm just saying from an action point of view, he could he could pull it off. But, you know, I'm looking at all these other actors and it's like, I just, I just can't really, like, it's like everyone can kind of do bits and pieces, but there's no real Harrison Ford type now, is there? That is a, a style of actor that seems to be, seems to be gone. Uh, I love Tom Hardy. I don't think Tom Hardy could do it. I love Tom Hardy, but I just there's just so much going on. There's just an uh, there's just an easygoing charm with uh, with Harrison Ford that just makes it almost impossible to be able to see anyone else who can uh, do this kind of role. Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> oh, no, I know I was only joking, but I just made myself feel a little bit sad. Oh, why do I feel sad? I don't feel sad. Okay. I'm going to list for you my five favourite Harrison Ford movies. Um, I'm going to go from five to one. I guess this is my five favourite uh, Harrison Ford performances. So, would you like to take a guess? Uh, I thought... Um, Yeah, we'll go from five to one. So, coming in at number five, I'm not really a Star Wars fan, but I do love him in Empire Strikes Back. There's a lot going on in that film for Han Solo. He's going to leave. He goes out and saves Luke. He's on the run. He pulls off some uh, tricky manoeuvres. Everyone's kind of giving him shit. He makes out with Princess Leia, and then he ends up getting caught. But he has that great moment when he sees... First thing he does when he sees Darth is he pulls his gun and takes a shot. And that is just a great badass scene. Like he doesn't he doesn't win, but he doesn't hesitate and that's pretty cool. He also gets tortured in that film as well. Hans Solo goes through the ringer in that. So that would be my favorite um you know, I just saw that at at a good time, you know, like I saw uh, Empire Strikes Back and then, you know, then I'm seeing him in, in this and it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to follow this guy for a while, you know. I am just going to be a big fan of this guy for a long time. All these skulls uh, and uh, dead bodies uh, is just a... And the snake coming out of that mouth oh my god that is just a just a scary scene as a kid and then you know it's quite convenient that they um if only they'd kind of looked around the other side they could have snuck in like they could have pushed that stone in and they could have uh you know gotten the ark of the covenant and snuck out by the way this movie is just about to get into 
like everything from here. Let's have a look. It's so it's essentially the one hour thirteen mark. And we are about to go on a fucking ride. This is just so good. Oh my God, I love this so much. Uh, So coming in at number five is The Empire Strikes Back. Number four, Frantic. Have you ever seen Frantic? It's kind of like his... uh, His... uh, Like an Alfred Hitchcock kind of film. If, If you haven't seen it, I won't say anything about it. But he's really good in that. Uh, number three, Blade Runner. I love Blade Runner. Um, you know, I saw Blade Runner at the cinema when it first came out. So I know I'm not meant to like the narration and I'm like, I'm meant to like it without the narration, but guess what? That was the first one that I saw. I like the narration. Yeah, but he's not putting in any effort. Yeah, but you know, that kind of, for me as a kid, fitted with the character. Oh man, this like all of this is just so great, and uh, like Indy gets heard as well. Do you know what I mean? Like this is like you don't quite see this enough in some of the Marvel movies and stuff like that. And look at how exhausted he is. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Just calm down, you big Nazi. Like oh. you know. You. The thing about Indiana Jones is he kind of fights the way that you feel like you, like if you could fight, you feel like you'd be able to do it. You'd be able to take a punch. You'd be a bit tricky. (laughs) He bites the big Nazi. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) The spinning around. You know, every time it looks like he could have been shot. Like, look, Indy fights dirty, throws sand in the guy's face. There's Marion being an absolute winner. She's trying to help out. I love the way she kind of holds up uh, the what's-its that were stopping the wheels from rolling. I can't think what they're called at the moment. Um, But she's so proud of herself. And then now the uh, now the Nazis are coming, you know, in the in the van, and she's like, "Oh God, what are we going to do here? Oh, I'll just go and get on the gun in the plane, and I'll just take them out myself." See, this is why Marion is the fucking best. Marion, and now we've hit the petrol from the from the wing of the plane, spinning around. It's it's. You know, Marion's still killing Nazis. It's Indy trying to get to his gun and the wheel going over the gun. The the Nazi just fucking wanting to pummel him. Big explosions. It's so good. Oh, it's just so good. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark is number two on my list of favourite um, Harrison Ford performances and coming in at number one is witness i love witness and funnily enough that was nearly the movie i was going to um do for this uh for this uh remote viewing but um 
I ended up going with uh, Raiders because I thought maybe it would have a, a slightly broader appeal. But I love Witness. I love Witness so much, and I want to uh, actually do a deep dive on that at some point. But I just think he is wonderful in that film. And I think that's the only film he ever got an Oscar nomination for as well. Look at this bit. Oh, my God. Like, like, and the blood splattering all over the swastika. <sighs> the flames uh, coming towards the, um, running along the petrol. Watch as Indy and Marion run how their legs are in sync. Look at that. That looks so good, doesn't it? That alone is a masterpiece for an action scene. And what did we say? Uh, what did we say that we started at? Was it 112 or 113? Only goes for only goes for about four-ish minutes. So much happens. I am genuinely shocked because that scene as especially if i take into account as a kid what uh i experienced with that i would have sworn that was like a 15 minute bit maybe i'm equating it with this next part with the with the vans and the trucks wow that makes it even more impressive, doesn't it? I think it's like because it's because it's so um, so dense. Uh, so, just for those of you who were playing alone along at home, uh, so my top five are The Empire Strikes Back, Frantic, Blade Runner, Raiders, and Witness. I nearly put Mosquito Coast up there. I think he's great in Mosquito Coast, but to be honest, I have not watched it in a long time and I thought maybe I was uh, cheating with that he's great in The Fugitive Uh, he is uh, underrated in Presumed Innocent I don't know if you uh, remember that film that was a pretty big film and he was very good in it Uh, you know Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger I, I liked those films but maybe you know, maybe that was when it was like I was starting to drift away a little bit from from Harrison Ford. Like, I still love Harrison Ford, but like for a while there, his run of movies is unassailable. Like, let's let's look it up. For a while there, he is in a lot of great movies uh, in a very short amount of time alright so I'm looking up his filmography now so you know he makes a, he makes a few films uh, in the has a few roles in the 60s uh, then he has in 1973 he's in American Graffiti that's a very good film he's in The Conversation with uh, Gene Hackman. I don't remember him having a big role in that, but he's still in it. And that is, like, that's the movie that Francis Ford Coppola makes in between the Godfather films, and it is phenomenal. He then makes Star Wars. He's in a movie called Heroes. Uh, I don't 
I don't think I ever saw that. Uh, Force 10 from Navarone, uh, which I think is fine. Hanover Street, which I think is fine. But, you know, they're all in the same year. He makes Apocalypse Now. And then, you know, a couple of other things. And then it's The Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of Lost Ark, Blade Runner. He's, uncre- you know, he's, he's you kind of hear him in E.T., uh, Return of the Jedi, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Witness, The Mosquito Coast, Frantic, Working Girl, he's very funny in Working Girl, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Presumed Innocent, Regarding Henry, which is a bit of a... <laughs> oh, I don't know about Regarding Henry. Uh, Patriot Games, The Fugitive, you know, like, that is... You know, that is a pretty pretty unassailable... Uh, bunch of films that he makes um but anyway man this this car scene like this uh, was uh you know jeep scene is great and, you know so this is why i was going to say before um one of the things that indy and marion uh, quite clearly bond over is that they really enjoy killing nazis like it's not just that they have to do it they really enjoy it. Like, like Indy's wrapped with all of this stuff. There they go, off the side of the cliff. And then the the soldiers trying to get around on the side of uh of the car, of the of the truck. You know. God. It's all so exciting, isn't it? These um these practical effects are just so much better. Like don't you think? Like don't you think this like there's a there's a weight to this? There's a there's just a a, a sense of uh of it all really kind of happening. Look at this Asshole. Oh man. Like Indy gets hurt. Like Indy gets hurt so much and then he's really fucked off with this guy. <laughs> See what I mean? Like he's really into uh hurting them. And then this big guy. You know. When he starts crawling on top. I feel like he is uh, a, a cross between Paul Hogan and tennis player Thomas Muster. <laughs> I bet a lot of you are saying, who the fuck is Thomas Muster? But you will have to um, look that up. And, oh, and he's a dirty, dirty fighter, punching him in his bad arm. This scene, in the, when he gets flipped over the car, you know, there goes the luck. Oh my god, this scene here, like him, you know, straddled with the with the wheel always terrified me. Oh, it always scared me so much. And that he gets out of this is is just great. Like like this was done. Like I know he's got, I know the stuntman had padding, and I know there's, you know, but it's so good. By the way, 
once again, like I'm not like who who really cares because it's exciting. But how does he get back on the truck? <laughs> like that is some crazy ass strong strong arm muscles. Oh, and this when he decides to just fucking hit this guy's face. Now see if you can do my trick, buddy. Can you do my trick? And the answer is no. There we go. It's all so good. It's so, so good. Yeah, you know, like this is this is someone who takes a lot of joy in his work and his joy is hurting Nazis. And look, yeah, that, that's the other thing about Indy. Like he just cops a beating like he is sore like he is you know for something that is quite clearly over the top action and a, a fantasy he he gets hurt he gets sore he gets you know he's relatable and you know like I never questioned why these people were ready to they like it's not like he had a mobile phone and he could ring ahead and say hey quickly here get that facade really for me to hide my truck but um, who cares? It's great. It's all just great. But the, um, you know, that was my that was my problem with watching uh, Black Widow because it felt because I'd always wanted a Black Widow film, and because I'd always wanted it to be like a Bourne kind of film, I. It, it, because the, and the first half hour really felt like that, didn't it? And then there was just a little bit too much CGI for my liking. And I once watched a, a little making of one of the Bourne movies, and they showed how they did some of the um, some of the stunts, and it bummed me out a little bit. I I only watched how they showed they did one of the stunts and went, nope, I don't want to know. I you know that all of that action feels quite uh dangerous when you're watching it so you know sometimes you don't like to know how things are made and uh but you know when it's cgi that's just people don't quite move enough or there's just there's just something about when you're watching it the physics of it in in a comic book i'll accept characters doing all sorts of crazy things but that's because in the comic book world, their worlds are drawn and painted. And so they have, when you're looking at them, they have a different sort of physics to them, if that makes sense. Whereas a movie, well, that's, we're, we're watching the way people move in real life. And so they're, it's closer to reality. So therefore, I just kind of need things to you know look like look like something that i can uh, can relate to i guess it just needs what was it that i said before it just needs a little bit more weight it'd be interesting if they actually like how would spider-man look if you actually just got an acrobat who was swinging oh this is indiana copping the the mirror in the jaw is and the scream that he makes <laughs> 
And the sad look on his face. It's just so funny. Look at him. Like, he looks... He looks sore. He looks... He looks like he has taken a beating. And he has taken a beating. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. A friend of mine, uh, Brett Wheeler, can quote this movie back to front. And he has quoted this movie to me so often and so many of the lines that sometimes when I think of it I don't quite hear Harrison Ford I hear Wheeler (laughs) Um, when Spielberg I meant to tell you this before when Spielberg was making films as a kid uh, he made up a phony movie studio he dubbed Playmount Pictures which is a play on Paramount and in German, his name roughly translates to Playmount. And he used to try to mimic the Paramount logo with natural scenery. And that's how we ended up with that opening scene. And that's pretty cool as well. Um, there were 10,000 snakes in the Will of Souls scene. I don't know if you have a fear of snakes. And if so, that might um, uh, freak you out. Um, and George Lucas was apparently not a fan of the swordsman gag. Uh, but then he saw they, they had two versions where where they tested it with audiences and then, you know, it gets such a big laugh. But I, you know what, that to me makes a lot of sense. I don't actually hold that against George because, you know, here's the thing. The, uh, imagine you come up with this idea, a sword and a whip fight, and you get really excited by it, and you think, you know, this is going to be great. You know, sorry, I just uh, thought of something, and I forget who said this. I I read years ago that what would have been amazing is, you know, that scene where the Ark of the Covenant burns off the uh, German, uh, you know, stamp, of the swastika on the on the outer casing, the um, at the end when they put the American one on, if it had burned off the American one as well. God, I wish I could remember who I read who said that. And it was like one of those things where you went, "Ooh, that would have been a real statement." They're quite clearly not making that kind of statement back then, but um, that would have been a, a nice scene. Marion in surrounded by three Nazis and she's still not afraid to tell them to go fuck themselves. That's great. Just great. But anyway, look, imagine you come up with a scene where Indy is going to fight with a whip with a guy with a sword and you choreograph it and you have it all ready. And then, you know, just because someone's not feeling well, you do a little gag and you give that a go. And, um, I could imagine being bummed out as well. But, you know, like they, they made the right choice by going with the gag. But I've never actually seen that scene. I've seen photos of it. I don't know if there are clips of it. I'm sure there are. But I kind of never really want to see it. I'm happy to have it in my head uh, in a in an alternate world, you know. That's where that happened. This is how bad Indiana Jones is luck goes even when he's hiding on a boat from the Nazis and he's trying uh, to be inconspicuous, 
he still manages to cop a burning cigarette butt probably in the face somewhere when this guy throws it into where he's hiding. Ah, oh, man. Nazi being racist. Not really a surprise. Here we go. <laughs> it would have been great to just have a little, ah! <laughs> the... Once again, uh, you know, you know how I was saying that I like the Last Crusade, but the it's just a bit too comical, and the stakes are just a bit too slapstick. Like you know, when Hitler signs his his book, I can't find Mister Jones. I've looked everywhere. This is so funny. Look again. I found him. <laughs> And Indy has just swum over to a submarine and he is um, getting on. Oh, so I had, uh, I forget who said that they love this scene. I'm sorry. But uh, there was a fact for you that I had for this, which I have remembered to read out at the correct time. There was an edited out scene of Indy holding on to the periscope so as not to drown. But Spielberg edited it out because he thought it looked cheesy. And not having seen that scene, never having heard of that scene before, reading that, my first reaction is, yeah, yeah, that that does feel a little bit cheesy, actually. Uh, I'm glad that I did not keep that. That is, that's a good choice. Once again, that's a scene that I have no interest in seeing. Uh, we just checking. No, we don't have any more messages from uh, from our people on our Facebook page. Uh, but thank you to everyone who wrote to me and told me what their favourite scene was. I really appreciate that. And uh, I, I and considering I did not give you a lot of. Uh, turnaround on that so I'm you know I think you only had like a couple of hours to get anything to me so uh, everyone who did thank you very much for that I only had the idea uh, at the last second so I thought at first I thought I'll do it for the next one but then I was like no let's do it for this one Uh, just a few more uh, oh here's that great scene where uh, (laughs) he's trying to get into the Nazi uniform that's a bit too small for him. What do you think this Nazi's thinking when he uh, when he sees Ford? Yeah. Like you do kind of you do kind of think yeah, you know, why if I was confronted by a Nazi like that, I'd fucking look really pissed off with him and then take him out like that. No, I I really don't know how to fight. But in my head, I am into the idea of that I could fight like Indiana. And more importantly, be able to take a punch and, and not be overly hurt. Uh, action movie violence. It really feels like getting punched is not a bad thing. Like, you know 
bit ouchy, but you know, you just bounce back. Just, you know, worst case scenario, just have a little split lip or whatever, mate. <laughs> and then you see a fight in real life and you go, Jesus Christ, that was, um, that was pretty violent. That, uh, yuck. I, Indy's, um, I love that he's trying to, you know, be incognito, but he's still childish enough to give Bella uh, a hip and shoulder. <laughs> so good. Um, the you know the the scene where she ends up in the dress uh, where she's drinking with Belloc uh, that was all improvised. They knew that she was going to get into the dress, but for some reason I they didn't know how she was going to get into it, and they improvised that scene. And you go, ah, that's interesting. And um, just off the top of my head as well, and I honestly could have this a little bit wrong, but um, I think this is shot around the same area that uh, they use for Tatooine. In um, in Star Wars, I could look that up, but uh, if we if we have a moment, I'll check that out. But it does look familiar, doesn't it? it does look uh, like it's on the money. This is great as well. Like it's like, oh, is is he? Um, like it's a it's a, it's a bold move, but Belloc is. He makes a good villain as well, you know. He makes a good villain because he he can see the weakness in um, in Indiana. Like he's like he's oh the the fly. <laughs> I always forget about the fly. God, you don't bounce back from having a fly just crawl into your mouth, do you? Gross. Um, yeah, he's he's a good counterpoint to uh, uh, Indiana. Like, it, you, you kind of wish for Temple of Doom if they were going to, if they were going to do a prequel, why not, why not have Belloc back? He's not dead by then. But yeah, no, he's, you know, this is, this is a good move. And he knows that um, he knows Indy's weakness, and that's what makes this great. It's so funny seeing Harrison Ford uh, in Indiana Jones in a in a Nazi uniform makes me feel gross. The way I hate that moment in The Great Escape when Steve McQueen is dressed in a Nazi uniform, and then I love it when he finally gets to a point where he's like oh i have to take this off (laughs) it's like yeah take that off um okay so i am just looking up Uh, so i wrote fly in the mouth and one of the first things that's come up is uh indiana jones and the question is did paul freeman eat a fly in any indiana jones what really happened. So, uh, as the camera was rolling, Freeman also was able to remain in character during an unexpected moment that would have broken the focus in most season actors. Uh, in an attempt to remain committed to the scene, Freeman appears to have allowed a fly to crawl into his mouth on camera just so he could deliver his line properly. Under close examination, fans of the first Indiana Jones instalment, which is Raiders of Lost Ark, has no Indiana Jones at the start, 
installment may have noticed a rather unusual moment during a scene with Freeman's uh, Belloc. Indy confronts Belloc, uh, threatening to destroy the Ark. You've just... God, articles are so badly written these days, isn't it? Um, A fly landed above his brow before quickly manoeuvring down onto his cheek and apparently into his mouth. Uh... However, according to Freeman, the take was carefully edited in post-production to accommodate the fly. It was done by removing a couple of frames consisting of the bug taking flight, which made it appear to wander into his mouth instead. Um, Since the film's 1981 release, Paul Freeman has noted the most commonly asked question by fans is whether he actually ate the fly or not. He's attempted to clear up the debate. That's um, that's pretty funny. Man, this ending is... Oh, man, it is so creepy. Like, I... I remember, you know, seeing this for the first time. And once again, it's the, it's the sounds, isn't it? The special effects... The special effects are, you know, very good for their time. And, you know, still effective, I think. Like, you know, like I'm not sitting here pretending that they're not special effects. But, yeah, it's the sound. It's the it's the noise scape. That's what gives all of this. It's the music. That's what gives everything here that extra sense of absolute panic. Oh, my God. I would be out of there so quickly. Like, I would not be... It's beautiful! (laughs) Oh, my God. When that face turned into a skull as a kid, oh, my God. It was genuinely terrifying. And all of these Nazis just getting blown away. It's, you know, in in some ways it's a, it's a strange ending where you've had this um, man of action, you know, doing... Indiana Jones has been doing all these amazing things throughout the movie and then... Uh, for the climax, he um, he's really keeping his eyes closed. Now, I'm sure that some of you who know how I feel about CGI endings probably thinks, well, why are you fine with this ending? And it's like, well, because we've had heaps of action. <laughs> like, we have had heaps and heaps and heaps of action that has felt real and looked real and it's been choreographed. And it's not like, it's not like they're fighting it. It like in Indy's not fighting wispy CGI ghosts. He is, you know, he's using his smarts, he's using his knowledge, and he's, you know, he's using that not to not only to save himself but also to save Marion. So, what do you reckon happens from here? Does he go and radio? 
the Allies to come and get them? Like, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm not quite sure. Like, I, I guess that's what must happen, and that's how they get their hands on everything. And this is just... Uh, even as a kid, this ending was... Yep, there you go. These guys can't be trusted as well. Um, and once again, it's a bit disappointing to see Indiana clean-shaven. <laughs> uh, but it's... And, you know... Is that Henry Kissinger in the background? This is great. You know, also... Oh, look at Marion. Look at that smile. She's so beautiful. Got such beautiful eyes as well. You know. Come on. I'll buy you a drink. Puts his arm out. Yeah, like, I, I don't... You know, in Lucas and, Spiel, and Spielberg wanting to make their bond, they just kind of... Like, I'd, if Bond wants to be with a different woman every movie, that's fine. But he was back with Marion. I didn't want him to not be with Marion. They should have been on Adventures Together. Don't you think that would have been a much better couple of sequels? Marion gets short shrift. And then they brought her back for the movie. That's not very good. And, of course, this fantastic ending. What an ending it was, right? Uh, and many years later was... Uh, there was a scene that was very similar to the ending of uh, a season of the X-Files. So, oh, look at that costume design. Deborah Nadulman. That's an interesting name. Oh, right. We have to keep an eye on, was it Jamie who told us that we're going to keep an eye on the credits for the, um, the person who was the drinker? who he said is known as the Australian. We haven't missed it, have we? No. Surely we haven't. Um, going to be so bummed out because I was just looking something up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was so close. Where, where, are the, where are all the actors? Come on. Uh. Anyway. I couldn't have got... Oh. Did I miss that? I know you're sitting there saying, no, you haven't missed it. What are you getting upset about? Or you're saying, yeah, you were so busy looking down at your computer, looking up your next uh, thing to read out that you missed it. I must have missed it. All right. I'm going to look it up. Um, doing uh, typing uh, with one hand is tricky. All right. Uh, characters. I'm trying to get to it uh, before I do the... Um, 
Uh, <laughs> oh, on IMDb, it's Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Fuck you. No, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. I am, I am dying on that hill. I don't care what anyone says. All right. Belloc, Stipe, uh, Bureaucrat. Oh, there's someone called the Australian Climber. Hang on, which character is that? Is that is that who you mean? It is. Patrick Durkin, Australian Climber. Funny. Well, there you go. I did not know that. Well, that's very, very exciting. Who is Patrick Durkin? I wonder if he went on... We, uh... Oh, he's he's English. Well, he was English. He is no longer with us. But um that makes that makes me furious. Why didn't they get a real Aussie? Oh, so <laughs> I just looked up and the uh and and everything was going up then. Anyway, that's very funny. Uh I, I should have just been patient and then I would have seen all of that. Anyway. Thank you very much for joining me for this. I hope you've had fun. Thank you to everyone who wrote to me and told me what their favourite moments in the movie were and why. And uh, we'll do another one of these. If you're enjoying them, please let me know. Uh, Let me know via Facebook. Come and join our Facebook page. That's private, where you can talk about things without worrying about giving away spoilers or anything, or just join our normal page. Uh, If you're enjoying the show, please give us a top review. And... uh, Here's a quote from Harrison Ford. Nature doesn't need people. People need nature. Nature would survive the extinction of the human being and go on just fine. But human culture, human beings cannot survive without nature. Well, it's a perfect quote from Harrison Ford. And uh, thank you very much for joining in. And wherever you are, I hope you're well. And if you're in lockdown somewhere, I hope you're looking after yourself. Thank you very much for being a part of this. Uh, My name has been Justin Hamilton and we will catch up again. That was a lot of fun. Until then. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.